you've got a story, I've got a story, we've got a story. I'm Brad McEwen, and I'm here to tell that story. This is Beyond the Bank. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of AB&T's Beyond the Bank. Today, I'm fortunate to be sitting down with fellow journalist, Leadership Albany board member, and WFXL Fox 31 news manager, Carrie Capello. Carrie, good to see you today. Thanks for having me. It's uh, always always fun getting together and chatting with you. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Well, listen, um, we could talk about any number of things for, I'm sure, hours on end, being two talkative uh, journalistic <laughs> types. But I do want to kind of stick to a little bit of a script today. So what I'm really hoping we can do is kind of, well, let me just say it. You know, for years, we were at various things together, shoulder to shoulder, trying to get a soundbite or a quote or a good picture. But I don't know that we ever really talked and got to know each other. That's only been recently since we've been on Leadership Albany Board together. But it kind of occurred to me, heck, you know, this is a great person that I've seen around town for years. The more I learn, the more I'm like, this is a really great person to have in our community. So I just felt like others in the community needed to meet Carrie, know a little bit about what makes you tick and kind of your journey to Southwest Georgia. Does that sound like something we can chat about today? Yeah, it sounds great. Awesome. Awesome. Well, now, when you were coming in the bank today, uh, you said hi to my colleague, Perry Revel, and uh, gave him a little bit of grief about not telling you that he was headed up to a trip uh, recently to Boston. So that's a good way to jump into Tell us where you're from, Carrie. Yeah, so I'm from all over. I've had a lot of places over my life that I've called home. Um, when I Before I moved to Southwest Georgia, though, home was Boston, Massachusetts. Uh-huh. Uh, my entire family on my dad's side is from there, born there, raised there. Um, and then I have my mom's side that's really from all over. Um, so... I also grew up a good portion of my life in North Georgia. So coming back to Albany was kind of full circle for me. Um, I was born in Boston, lived there till I was in my younger ages. We moved down to Marietta for a little bit. I graduated high school in Hiram, Georgia, which is Paulding County, just about an hour. I guess it's east of Douglasville, Georgia. And then I went to school in Wisconsin for a little stint um, where I played soccer there. Um, I then transferred to Western Connecticut State University, where I graduated with the uh, meteorology degree and then some time spent in uh, Boston until I found what is now my home. Um, And then, you know, through the application process of trying to be a meteorologist on TV, I finally found Albany or Albany found me. And uh, within seven days of the offer, I was in Albany, Georgia. So, yeah. And uh, now I'm so glad you mentioned that about North Georgia, because that's a piece I did not know. But I got to think, even having lived in North Georgia, not that Paulding County is all that urban, (laughs) uh, it had to be a little different coming to Southwest Georgia. Well, well, funny, you should ask. Um, I was coming from. Boston, Massachusetts. I drove down the 24 hour hall by myself. Um, I remember I did stay up in North Georgia. I still have an aunt that lives there. Um, so I stayed with them, uh, her and her and my uncle at the time. And the next morning I got up and I remember taking 85 all the way down the state. And I remember passing through Columbus and Fort Benning 
And then I got through Richland, Georgia, and there was no cell service. It kind of gave me the vibes of, you know, children of the corn. And I was like, oh, no, where did I move to? What am I doing? I don't know anybody here. And then I get off the slappy exit to go to the station because I had to find out where headquarters was going to be. And so then I was like, oh, no, what did I do? Um, That was my first impression of Albany. I hadn't met a soul. I just saw Richland and then I saw 6A. and where my new home would be. Um, since then, my perception is completely 180. Um, I've been in Albany now 11 years in God, August. 11 years. Yeah. I took a small hiatus to our sister station in Macon. Um, but everybody's got a plan. And that plan sent me right back to Southwest Georgia. And and I really and truly love where I live and where I am and, and the people that I've met while I've been here. That's awesome to hear. I'm so, so, so happy to hear that. Although I still hear plenty of Massachusetts in that, uh, in your, in your I accent. S- I still talk a little faster than most people would like. And uh, sometimes there's a little bit of an inflection on the, on the R's, but other than that, I've added y'all to the, to the dictionary that I Fabulous say, word. Um, I think that's probably the biggest yep. Southern slang that I've added. Well, if it makes you feel any better, Carrie, my mom is from the Jersey shore. We have lived in Albany since 1986 and she still has friends that consider her, you know, my mom, they're Yankee friend. Yeah. And she doesn't sound at all. She doesn't have the New Jersey accent <laughs> at all. My relatives from up there come down here and they're like, what happened to y'all? Right. Because <laughs> they don't say y'all. What happened to you too? Uh, so I totally get it. I totally get it. <laughs> now, um, you mentioned a uh, degree in meteorology. And of course, we can't get through a leadership Albany meeting without somebody wanting to get Carrie to give them the <laughs> forecast, not just for the next couple of days, but hey, three months from now, do you think we'll be able to have this class take care? Yeah, there's so- a lot of pressure that's put on meteorologists, not just me. Um, <laughs> the question is, hey, what's it going to be like? The next question is, how many times does somebody ask you what's it's going to be like? So, um, you know, it's all in good nature. It's what I've gone to school to do. It's been a passion of mine my whole life since I was about seven years old. So um, it comes with the territory um, and it's something I most days I'm confident about. So um I don't mind giving the answer, you know, what it's going to be like, but there's always a chance. So I'm never held responsible if yeah. it goes the other way. You're never completely right, right or wrong. Right? Exactly. Not when there's a chance. always right. Not when there's a chance. Right. <laughs> <laughs> now, you mentioned, you know, I, I love it when I meet people who are able to make a living doing things that they just truly love. Um, you know, I'm a banker, but I'm still being a journalist. You may not even know this, but, you know, I knew nothing about journalism, never thought about journalism. I was a freshman at Westover High School and this dude, Carlton Fletcher's like, you need to be in my journalism class. <laughs> and so that was it. And then, you know. Off we go into this whole world of journalism. But it, I remember thinking when I got out of college, all my friends were looking for work and they were, you know, had just degrees in business or whatever, didn't really know what they were going to do. And I just remember thinking, I'm so, I got a job in a newspaper. I'm doing what I thought I was, was going to do. Uh, and it's a neat thing to kind of get to do that. How did you fall in love with meteorology? Well, living in North Georgia, living in Georgia, period, we're no stranger to severe weather. Um, I saw a tornado form outside of my house in Paulding County when I was seven years old. From that moment on, I wanted to be Helen Hunt because Twister came out not long after that. Ah, And so I was 
destined to chase tornadoes. That was what I was doing. I worked hard to make contacts at the Weather Channel. Um, Jim Cantori just happened to be a friend of the family. So we had spoken with him before with kind of what we needed to do. Glenn Burns, if you're from the Atlanta area and you know who Glenn Burns Mm -hmm. is. I grew up watching him in my time, my early childhood in Georgia. And, you know, we reached out to him and I was still on the fence about joining the military because the hurricane hunters were part of the Air Force. Uh, The Navy does a lot of work with hurricanes as well. And so I thought about trying to be a reservist. They would pay for school. I mean, it's the same kind of situation most kids are in here where we're finding, you know, avenues to pay for college, to go to school, to find something we love to do. Um, And that was that was part of the plan. So I spoke to as many people, um, as I could, you know, a lot of times meteorologists are compared to used car salesmen. That's pretty much the same thing. I I don't mean, I don't meet strangers, you know? And so I just invested myself. I was an athlete through all of my life. And so I knew that I had to do well and learn a lot to become great. And so, um, by the time I was seven, I knew I wanted to be Helen Hunt. As I got into college, I decided maybe I'd like a family. So I probably don't need to have a kid on the hip and chasing tornadoes in the same breath. So then I looked at other options and um, went to school for both. It's both operational um, meteorology, which is focused more on the broadcasting side. And then also the other side of it, where it's with the National Weather Service or the military or, uh, you know, bigger corporations that rely on meteorologists for their day to day. And so I was still torn. Um, I didn't want a nine to five. My personality doesn't fit a nine to five. I need change. I need to be out and moving and talking to people. And so that's another reason reason why I love the weather is because not one day is similar to the next. And that's just fascinating to me. So um, I went to college, finished college. Um, During my time in college, I... um, before I left for college to go to Wisconsin, I tore my ACL in both the meniscus. And mm. so that set me back a semester. It was in uh, proper planning not to go to Northern Wisconsin with an ACL reconstruction yeah. fresh out of surgery. Ice and crutches and knee braces probably don't mix Just well. Just cold and a wound. Seems like a waste of money. You spend money to in yes. insurance money to get a knee fix and then you go to the ice. It just didn't work. So, um <laughs> So I went there for a, for a year and then I transferred to Western Connecticut State so I could still move a little bit closer to my family in Boston gotcha. um, to be able to get home for the ho- when I needed to be home and felt homesick, but also uh, to play soccer. And so um, that's where I, lo- I learned a lot about the broadcast. But after my knee surgery, um, it was a summer. We would spend summers in Boston for the 4th of July every year. It's kind of a, like a family reunion. Gotcha. I left, I drove my, with my sisters, we drove my grandmother out to Park City, Utah. It was a nice little summer trip. We saw all the sites along the way. But while I was in um, Colorado, we had gotten, we went whitewater rafting. And when I came inside to shower, I noticed that there was like a huge, like red patch on my knee from where one of the incisions were from my knee surgery. And from that moment, uh, it was kind of chaotic. We didn't know what it was. It was kind of like, we'll just mark it and see. It was a whole traumatic experience. I won't, I'll say for another story, but oh, I ended Lord. up making it to Boston from Park City, Utah um, the next day. And so we kept the Sharpie on to see where it was. That turned into a blood infection from the organism they used to replace my uh, my ACL. Wow. So I spent a few months in the hospital, pretty much the rest of the summer in the hospital. Um, and it was one of those kind of things where you were like, 
18 years old and scared for your life. And it was to the point where it was so bad if they couldn't figure out what it was, they would have to take the bottom half of my leg. I'm on soccer scholarship in college. You know, you're living your best life. And that's not going to work. It didn't work. It didn't work uh, mentally while you were in the moment. But there's always the silver lining to any situation you're in. So it was the scariest moment in my life to that point, but also the most rewarding because I was at Boston Medical. I had the entire infectious disease team working on figuring out what this was, where it came from, how to treat it, how to save my leg. And I was on the floor with kids with leukemia and cancer and those kids that weren't able to leave the hospital. And they became my friends. I'd crutch down and play Wii with them or board games or whatever. And we, this was towards the time when the last Harry Potter book was coming out. So, mm-hmm. you know, we, ha- I was an 18 year old able to bond with kids of all ages around me and the nurses that were there, they were all about the same age as well in college. And so it just, it ended up being one of the most rewarding times of my life um, through that kind of trial. That's and pretty cool. from that, when I got released from the hospital, uh, they gave me a pick line so that I could yeah. get medicine, administer medicine from to help treat all the, oh, yeah. the gunk. Um, and that lady who came, the nurse who came to change the pick line, her brother was a meteorologist in Boston. And so... That's how all the the pieces kind of came together. I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, so then the next summer I had an internship at one of uh, Massachusetts, you know, TV stations. It was NECN. Um, and I was there for a few more years and then went to another place while I was finishing up school when I was home from summer break. And then when you're done with college, you send out your resume reel to everywhere. And uh, the news director at the time, Jenna Huff, called me. And I don't even remember applying to Fox 31. She found me on YouTube, I think. Um, And like I said, spoke with the chief meteorologist, who is Mike Morrison. Seven days later, I was in Albany, Georgia. So that's that's kind of the the long drawn out process. That's pretty rad. Right out of school. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, it was one of those decisions where I was talking to a couple of stations and it was like, if I don't find something that fits me or that I like. I'm just going to join the military and see where life will take me in that direction. Um, I liked the discipline. I liked the structure. And so it really fit well with me. I'm with you. That would be a great alternative um, if I didn't land something relatively soon. Because, you I know, like you. when you graduate college, you want to just jump right into oh, it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's not always the case, especially no. with broadcasting, journalism, meteorology, all of the above. There's only a certain amount of positions and thousands of applicants. Yep. and. It really, unfortunately, comes down to do you fit the mold they're looking for? And if you don't, that's it. If you do, congratulations. So, Well, I always wondered, too, you know, because my path into, into journal of the world journalism was just kind of different in mm-hmm. newspapers, I think, just because of the old man nature of it, so to speak. Like, we could never really figure out how that broadcast stuff worked. Like, where right. do these people come from? You know, and then, you you know, if you in the world and we're all covering the same events and you start to see folks cycling through and you start to pick up on like, well, I guess when you come out with a degree like that, you just kind of have to go mm-hmm. where you can go. Right. But it doesn't seem as common. That could be wrong for folks to cycle into a place like Albany from a place like Boston and actually stay. Yes. Uh, it's not unlikely that people filter in from, anywhere, big city, small city into Albany. Albany is a starter market in the media world. And so you come here, you do your time and you move up to bigger stations. That's just the way it works. Um, For me, I fell in love with the people when I got here. I made a great group of friends that 
made living in Albany the best experience of my life, you gotcha. know? And so through th- hanging out with them, I'm very, I'm a very big, big advocate of the community. I love the people of Albany and I like, I've always been called mama Carrie. I've always wanted to help everybody to whatever capacity I could. So I'd played soccer all my life. I started coaching a youth team at the YMCA. That's how I know Perry. I coached his son, his oldest son, who was not as old as as he is now. It's going to be a senior next year. Exactly. I had him when he was maybe five or six. And so it's maybe seven. It was crazy. So I coached for a lot of years at the YMCA, being able to give back what I know and and help with my skills to give that to kids that Mm -hmm. are interested in a sport that they may grow to love. Um, I carried, not carried, but I was with those boys um, for many years and many seasons. And uh, we had lots of trials and tribulations, but through them, you make more friends. Oh yeah. Um, From that, I like to stay busy. So I was always, I picked up a part-time job at Mellow Mushroom and, you know, so I met more people in the community. I'll never forget somebody, the first person to recognize me in Albany was a woman who watched Fox 31 and saw me do the weather. And she didn't even see me. She heard me speak and knew it was me before I even figured out. That makes you know, sense, where she was from, what her name was and all of that, because they may not have been watching. They may have been doing the dishes or yep. getting their kids ready for bed, but they heard me talking about the weather in the other room. And so my voice stuck. Um, but from there, you know, I had a, I worked at Mellow Mushroom for a while. Um, I became involved with the Salvation Army, which is a is a great community to be a part of and to be able to help out in, in any capacity. That uh, the Junior League of Albany, I was a part of for a while. Um, There's so many, the Habitat group. uh, We do a lot of station community events that I was able to partner. We were able to partner with them through that. Um, All the hammer jams, all of the Georgia throwdown and everything that people, unless you've been here a while, may not even know about. We do Um, a lot of great just events and a lot of opportunities to meet game changers in this community. And, and so the web is weaved and, you know, the, the like journey that. continues and, you know, now it's just helping leave a positive a footprint everywhere I go. So um, that turned into Leadership Albany. I was part of the Georgia Forward Young Game Changers, and it just helped me open up my eyes to everything that this community has to offer. And and it helps me tell the narrative of this community and try to help fight the negative the negative connotation sometimes Albany gets. Oh yeah. Well, it, you know, and this comes up in a lot of my podcasts, Carrie. And, and in fact, it, it, inevitably I'm talking to somebody who's relatively new to the community and they're just all there. They can't talk enough about how much they love Albany. Mm-hmm. And then we inevitably get to this, but why doesn't everybody see it? And maybe it's, they don't have perspective of other places. I don't know. Or they don't get involved. If you stay in one group of people and nothing changes and you do the same thing day in and day out, you're not experiencing anything That's new. True. Um, there were some things that I experienced when kids became a part of my life, you know, um, and that changes kind of your perspective. I mean, a lot of people in every town and community you go to, they go to high school, maybe they go to trade school or college, or maybe they move away. Maybe they join the military in in any factor. That's how they get out of town. There's not very many people that want to stay in, in one particular town, no matter if it's Albany or Marietta or, you know, California or wherever. So, Oh, I got good friends that grew up in in big cities. They couldn't wait to leave just like the kids who were leaving in Albany. And it's the same type of reasons. I I want to live my own life and do my own thing. So I totally get that. Now, Carrie, there was a theme sort of running through a lot of the high points that you touched. and, And I don't even know if you picked up on it, although you said you've always kind of been mama Carrie, but it, 
you, and you said you want to, you know, you're here now and you want to leave a footprint wherever you go, but it sounds like you've already been leaving a footprint where you go. And it sounds like you've kind of had a, a sense of that being important in life for most of your life. So talk to me a little bit about where some of that mindset comes from. You know, I'm an Italian. I have Italian roots and family is just very big in in part of my morals and my upbringing. And so, you know, so is love. I mean, you, you can't love hard enough and you can't love enough. And you, just kindness overall. Everyone you meet has a story. And I feel like sometimes people don't take the time to get to know a person's story and and that's their loss totally. But, yep. um, you know, that's part of what's helped me become successful as a journalist. Even that's not my forte. I didn't go to school to be a journalist. I went to school to be a meteorologist because weather is just so phenomenal and it's ever changing. But, you know, I'll never I'll never forget some of the stories that I had to cover where I wasn't prepared emotionally to see what I saw to feel what I saw or feel what I saw and to even experience in a big bubble. You know, they uh, there's a lot of talk nowadays about mental health and focusing on you. And for a very, very long time, I've always focused on everyone else. And it's helped. Ha- I've had to have those moments without knowing it of centering it back to me. Sure. Um, I don't know if many people have experienced death in the way that it doesn't physically affect you personally with it wasn't my brother, it wasn't my cousin, it wasn't my family or friend. But when you show up to a scene to cover a news story about a shooting that happened that took a life of a man and the mother and the best friend hold you and hug you and cry, yep. you can't help but to cry with them. That's right. And those those experiences were nothing that I grew up or went to college for. You or college you know, for you just learn that as you go. And yep. so um I guess going back to your question, you know, I've just always been this way. It's always been my first nature to help someone, whether it's, you know, extra encouragement on the soccer field or somebody who's maybe struggling and isn't necessarily skill level where the rest of us are to help them take some extra time out of their day and your day to work on those drills or work on those skills that you're trying to get better at. And so um, it's always been a challenge to me. I'm a perfectionist. And so I, and I always like to be right. So, um, and I might be a little hard headed as well. So it's a good blend. That's pretty of normal like, for most journalists. <laughs> I know. <laughs> exactly. But it's one of those things where I always strive to do the best that I can so that I'm proud of the work that I can, sure. that I can achieve and, and do. And so I just hope to help emulate some of that, you know, a little kindness goes a long way. You never know what people are dealing with. Um, taking an extra moment just to ask about your family instead of who, what, when, where, why goes a long way. Um, a little empathy about just whatever the situation is goes a long way. And so does a little bit of laughter. And so yeah. using those, those, just those key facts and key points, that's what kind of has helped me just be nurturing in whatever situation that I'm, that I'm put into or that I face each day. So that also has kind of transitioned me into my new role. Um, I have been honored. I've been, I'm honored to have served this community as the meteorologist for a long time, six ish, seven years. And now through social media, and if there was ever a hurricane Michael or a big outbreak, I too would be back on TV, but more so, you know, as the news manager at Fox 31, I have the opportunity to help teach and help show some of the journalistic skills that would help them become better journalists so that they can move on to yep. new markets or bigger markets or closer to home. Um, 
so that they become better at what they do so they can move on and be and be great. So uh, those kind of tips have kind of helped me transition into this leadership role to help people kind of get to their ultimate goal, too. Well, I got as one who has made that transition themselves from a doer to a guy to lead the other doers. It's not an easy transition. Not at all. But it sounds to me like you were wired up from the beginning to do that, because if you're naturally inclined to be more focused on others, then you're in the right spot. Well, and thank you. Uh, other people clearly saw that same sentiment. That's why I'm at where I'm at today. Um, but also it's been also very challenging because I am a doer and I've been in the mentality where, you know, if I get it done, I know it's done right. Yep. And so now the delegating and sitting back and letting others make mistakes that I know that I've gone through before and try to protect them from is now a tool to help them learn and grow, not to do those same yep. things again. So it's, hard though. it's super hard. It's, hard. it's stressful. And it's like we have the, t- the discussion afterwards and they're like, now I understand why you told me this wasn't a good idea. But and, and my next statement is. I had to let you experience That's it for right. yourself to learn. So, um, well, any parent understands that too. Oh, bless. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I used to love it with our first, my wife and I would be, and, and, you know, I think it's always a little harder for the mom. You know, you just, you'd see it coming and she, you know, she'd want to go over there and be like, Oh yeah, like, no, let him fall. Let her fall. She needs to fall. <laughs> oh no. And yeah. then course, boom. Oh, I'm not doing that again. And I'm the one that I guess I can formally admit that I'm more of the pushover, but you know, I don't want to see them fall and I'm going to do my darndest not to let them fall. Sure. But at the same time, I'm like, oh, you got to learn. It's different at home and at work. It's you know? hard. Uh, easier it's, said than it's done. It's easier said sure. than done. Yeah. I just think in the long run, I think they'll be good to go. But in the short time, it's one battle at a time. <laughs> I completely appreciate that. I completely appreciate that. Now, uh, I'm also fascinated, Carrie, as we're talking. Um, and I got to think that some of what we were just talking about in terms of being wired up a certain way. And you mentioned Italian. And that to me is synonymous with family. My, my grandfather was born in Italy. My mom's Pacino. Um, and it's the same for us, you know, but I also know that my grandfather had two brothers that didn't speak for 40 years over some completely petty, ridiculous thing. So part of it too, is the individual people who just have to prioritize family. But it sounds like that was the case in your house that Type knit. Yeah, I mean, we we're all relatively close. You have your, uh, you have you have siblings, and like all siblings in any you know ethnicity, ethnicity or uh, cultural, br- you know, bringing up, uh, there's always conflict and stuff. But for the most part, yeah, I mean, we are very close, very close to my entire family, regardless of whether or not they were my ma- on my mom or my dad's side. So. Yeah, I, I got my my mom's from the Jersey Shore, and I definitely have some relatives that look like the situation. It's okay, <laughs> we love them too. Right, exactly. We love them. Uh, now, you did uh, since you since we have talked about siblings a couple of times, and you mentioned traveling with your sisters plural. How many? I've got two younger sisters, okay. and I have an older brother as well. Okay. So there's a there's a gang of us. Technically, th- more than three is a gang. So now, do they get accused of uh, their voices carrying? Uh, you, we're is all, it a pretty loud? We're in all the very house? completely different. Uh, when we're all together, regardless, it's loud. Okay. Um, that's just Italian. Anybody I'm around, really, we're just all loud. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're we're all completely different. Uh, we've all had completely different situations, and so it's not. No two are alike. So, so there's that. My brother, my brother is, um, my brother is the overseas, the diesel mechanic shop for the Boston fire department. 
Oh, wow. Um, my one of my younger sisters is uh, all in Tifton right now, works as an EMT. Really? And uh, the other sister is really just trying to find her footing in life. Figure so, out what she's going to do. Something like that. There's yeah. always one of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My wife's one of four. I'm actually an only child, which is weird. <laughs> um, but my wife's one of four and her dad's side's all Italians. So same kind of deal. Yep. And uh, they're they're a different bunch, but we love them. We surely <laughs> do. Now, uh, Sister and Tifton, did you have anything to play, any role to play in? How she got to South Georgia? Yeah. yeah. So, um, again, a whole completely different story and setup. But she came down here in 2017 and uh, went to school and um, became an EMT and has worked a few places around Albany, up in Americus, and is now out in Tifton and and doing good for herself. That's out there. not easy work to do. Not at all. You got you got to really care about doing that. Exactly. Well, especially with COVID and everything else that this oh, whole, yeah. this whole world has gone through recently, it definitely has changed the time um, and has changed the profession for a lot of professions that you could probably talk about. You know, I'm glad you brought that up, Carrie. How how what kind of effect did it have on you know? Because I was out. You know, I, I left yeah. the newspaper in 2017, so before COVID and all that. Uh, the last big news event I dealt with was uh, the last weekend I was on the news desk was the hurt the tornadoes on yeah. the 22nd. So it's been a minute. How, how did COVID really impact what you guys were doing at Fox? So I think part of like the journalistic and the journalism side, it really just kicks COVID really kickstart the digital movement. Um, we were already making kind of headway into that direction, but more so with COVID than any time before that I can remember, it was a shift. And we saw that because now, and it was really tough for me because I'm the one that hugs the mayor when I walk in the room. Um, and now it's like, do we fist bump? Do we, oh. I mean, what we've got a mask on, you know, I don't really, I can't really understand what you're saying using a microphone. It's, it's even harder. So it's not, it doesn't sound muffled. Um, there was also that urgency to get people the information about the latest of what's going on. Unfortunately, we were as a community dealing with mourning numbers and numbers and numbers of people as we became the third hotspot in the world, which I don't, I still can't fathom in the yeah, world. In you the know world. what I mean? Yep. That's scary. And we were on the front lines with not like the paramedics and first responders. I'm not taking any credit no, no, no. or any of the nurses or doctors or hospital staff, but we were the first lines to get the information to people. Sure. And so we were right there in the thick of it with everybody else. Um, obviously, the face to face interviews, unless you were at a press conference, changed. We sure. were doing things via Zoom or Teams or whatever other, you know, FaceTime, whatever other digital way you could speak to somebody. We had to do that and we had to adapt to that. Um, reporters were used to coming into the building and speaking as a group in their editorial meetings. Now we're all on an island by ourselves. If we didn't understand how to edit with the, or ran into issues with equipment, it wasn't a team fixing it anymore. It was an individual trying to solve a problem and then calling people all around to try to help that aren't physically there. So um, it, like everybody else, we all went through the same challenges together. Um, I think we're more thankful that COVID is kind of weaned off more. Uh, it's not gone. It may not ever be gone, but I think now we're able to get back together and and we're able to um, work together. And, and it's more of a, a family unit back at the station because we see people again. You know, mentally, that takes a toll and you just staying at home and not seeing everybody or yeah. anybody going to the grocery store, you know, Um 
I'm thankful for COVID that now there are more options for people to get goods and services. Yes. Ways that we may not have imagined before COVID. Thankfully, someone smarter than me thought of it. And now we have it accessible to us. Yeah. But being able to be back at sports and, you know, being able to see these kids do things that they enjoy and love and get them out of the house oh. and not in front of, you know, video games and stuff. I'm not knocking video games. I play no. them too. But yeah. all I mean, the time. All when day. I was yeah, when I was a kid, we didn't I never thought about video games. I was outside playing and now I feel yep. like kids are given those opportunities. And so we're back to school again, which is awesome because yes. they need their, they need to be there to learn and grow. And so there's so many good things now that COVID is weaned, but there's so many great things we learned through COVID and we now have because of COVID. Um, and again, we would have gotten there eventually, maybe not the Jetsons and flying cars, but <laughs> you know, we, with technological advances, we're bound to be getting closer to that at some point anyway. So oh, I sure. think, like I said, this is kind of like a kickstart of getting everything going. We saw it in banking, um, you know, for a couple of years, we've been trying to encourage more people to take advantage of digital banking. You know, don't stand in line to deposit a single check when you're not getting cash. Take a picture of it. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't until people were forced and we had to say, you can't come in because we don't want to get you sick. And we, you know, yep. that people started to adopt the very things that we felt like this is going to make your life better anyway. So exactly. there has been a little bit of that. I wonder, though, um, one thing that really wasn't ever on my radar prior to COVID. I mean, it was to a certain extent because, you know, you can't be in the world of journalism without thinking there's always some nefarious forces at work trying to do something in the shadows. But talk to me a little bit about the struggle that seems to have emerged of over information and the validity of information and, and verifying information and knowing when to present this versus. Well, uh, there's a couple of things that pop in my mind now. Nowadays, everybody's a keyboard expert, so it doesn't matter if they know what they're talking about or they don't. It's out on the Internet. And so it's believable to yeah. someone who maybe isn't in involved or in in line with what really is happening around them. So in a lot of cases, that's hard. It's hard with political figures bringing up fake news. Um, I can't speak for all journalists and I can't speak for all news entities, but I can speak for myself and my team mm -hmm. and for Fox 31. And, you know, our mission is to provide the facts and we're fair and we're honest and we're not here to sell a story. Um, we're going to tell you what happened. We're going to hold our political leaders and our all leaders accountable. And sometimes it's bad and sometimes it's good. But, you know, we're here to tell all of the stories um, and we're here to be the voice of the voiceless. So it is challenging. Um, there are still, believe it or not, agencies that aren't on board with talking with reporters, whether they don't like the camera or they just don't have time for them. Uh, the world has changed and it will continue to change. And, you know, do I think that in 20 years, TV is the way you get news? Probably not. Yeah. Um, everybody can get news at their fingertips. And so having a bigger digital presence and a digital footprint is now more than ever more crucial than, I'm sorry, Brad, a newspaper. No, or, you're right. Or even TV, because by the time you you shoot something, you edit something, and it's in the rundown to play in the newscast, it's probably old yep. and there's new information available. So we work every day to find new ways to keep the people engaged and involved um, so they can keep and get the up to date information in the palm of their hands by watching TV and also by, you know, checking out the website. So yeah. it's hard and it will continue to be hard and continue to present challenges, you know, all the cyber attacks. Yeah. You know, we went through one at Fox and, 
it was weird not to be able to be connected to anyone. Ugh. Anyone. Yeah, it's just crazy. You know, thankfully, I grew up in a time when cell phones weren't, you know, a part of everyday routine or what you grabbed when you ran out the door. But, you know, still, when that's how you are live and breathe every day now, yeah. it's kind of like slap in the face. Like, what do we do? Oh, yeah. How, how do we call? I don't even know their number. It's saved in my phone or what's the their information email? Yeah. that's in there. Like, I don't know how to access. I have no right. other way to access this Exactly. Spreadsheet or whatever. You can't. They're, everything's corrupted and gone. It's yeah. like it's white. So very frightening. Yeah. So and, and unfortunately, that's the way we're trending. You know, you have to if you have to save everything, back it all up and, you know, hope backups you don't get backups. hit. Yeah. Hope you don't get another hit. You know? So Well, and look, that kind of stuff's huge in this business. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we deal with outside vendors, but we're holding on to the most vital information that people have. Right. Like it's, it's, it's a huge thing. And I just wondered, you know, I just, I can't help, but as a former reporter, just to read the things I read and see the things the same kind of must've been hard just during that time period to, to get a good handle on what was the most important thing to pass on. Everything. <laughs> Everything. Yeah. You kind of just do. Everything. You just got to dump it all out mm-hmm. there and hope, hope it works. Well, Carrie, can you, um, we've hit a lot of the highlights. We've talked about, uh, you know, Albany and, and your journey here. Um, tell me a little bit as we kind of bring this to a close, as you look into the future uh, for yourself and for the Albany community, what are some of the things that you expect or hope to see? Well, unfortunately, with the latest census, we've seen a lot of people leave. And so I, I would hope to be able to be a part of the change to help bring people back. Um, and I may not have as as large as a role as others in the community could, but who knows? Um, I think, you know, we need to look at all of Albany's assets, not discredit the faults and the negativity because every community has it. But I think if we start to focus more on what's what's offered, uh, what you can do, you know, all of the local businesses we have support them, you know, love each other, be kind to one another. I think that we would be in the right, moving in the right direction. Um, I know a lot of times people focus on, well, don't go to that side of town or don't go downtown after dark or, you know, know. there's nothing to do here. You know, there's a lot and it's all available. We just talked about the digital age. Everything is out there for you to see what's going on. And so if nothing else, I would just want to be a, a, a steward to help bring more of the positive image and the positive message for, for Albany and for Southwest Georgia, really. Yeah. Cause it is a, it's a, it's a wonderful place mm-hmm. with a lot of good things going for it. And, and sometimes I feel like we're sitting on this big secret that we're like, we need to let this out. Why are we holding on to it? People are a funny bunch though. I just got to listen sometimes. Yeah. And, yeah. No. But yeah. we still love them. Though, don't we, we do. We do. I just don't know what I'd do without people. I, I tell folks all like young bankers, I'll talk to them. In fact, it was a, in my, prior life with the other bank I used to work for. Cause I was, you know, been in journalism mm-hmm. and uh, I would talk to young bankers, you know, customer service folks. And they'd be like, how are you a banker? You know, you got your background in journalism. I said, well, first of all, I don't have a degree in journalism it's in English. <laughs> Cause when I was in college, everybody was in college for journalism and I was advised not to do that. <laughs> but the very skills that I utilized in journalism is exactly what we utilize in banking. I got to know what you want and what you like and what makes you, what what you matters to you? Yeah, 
Build relationships. That's it. Get to know somebody. That's it. But you'd be surprised how hard that can be for some folks. It sounds simple and it really is simple. But like you said, I mean, it it is sometimes a challenge for folks. And if that's challenging for you, come find me because I'll talk to you all day long. I like it. (laughs) <laughs> that would be a good uh, like Break that barrier down. late job career. Like right. just get paid to talk to people. <laughs> Lonely and give me a call. I'll talk to you. <laughs> well, Carrie, um, you know, I don't really have anything else on my sort of list of things I wanted to chat about. Um, you know, is there anything that burning question you just felt like you needed to ask me while you're here? Today? No, but I do want to say thank you again for having me and, oh. and allowing me to share my story and kind of my love for the community and, and, you know, if there's ever a question you need your weather radio programmed or you need to know what it's going to be like next week or um, even if you just want to say, hey, I mean, I'm pretty accessible and easy to find. So I welcome I welcome the opportunity and oh. thank you for this opportunity. Well, we love that about you, Carrie. And um, I really the, the thanks is on my side. I can't thank you enough for taking the time to come in with everything you got going on. I know being the news manager and worrying about all the news is not the easiest thing to do. Uh, so thank you for making the time, but also thank you too, for just the embrace that you've given to Albany during your time here and the great champion that you, of this community that you've become. It really has made an impact and a difference. Thank you. All right, y'all. Well, that was the latest Beyond the Bank. Be sure to tune in next time as we tell another one of the fabulous stories that makes Albany, Georgia such a wonderful and magical place.